Welcome into another episode of Locked On Phillies. In today's episode, I'm going to tell you why Kyle Schwarber, despite how many home runs he hits and what type of hitter he can be in June, cannot play left field for the Philadelphia Phillies anymore right now. We're also going to discuss a little bit of uh, positivity following the Phillies' loss to the Atlanta Braves. Its fan base needs a deep breath, I think. And we'll talk about the series with the New York Mets that's supposed to start tonight. We'll see with the weather. It's raining again still, but uh, we'll, we'll see what we got on today's episode of Locked On Phillies. You are Locked On Phillies, your daily Philadelphia Phillies podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, this is indeed Locked on Phillies. I'm Connor Thomas, your host. Uh, you've been hearing me talk Phillies baseball for years over on 97.5 The Fanatic on the radio, NBC Sports Philadelphia on the television. Happy to be here with you as your host of Locked on Phillies. Thank you so much for checking us out. Locked on Phillies is part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, make sure you're rating and reviewing wherever you consume this. If you're consuming podcast-wise, video-wise, if you're checking us out on YouTube, go ahead and subscribe on the YouTube. Uh, appreciate that very much. It gets you notifications when new episodes are posted. It helps me out here uh, as well uh, a good amount when you do subscribe. So very much appreciate anyone who's doing that or who has done that already. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on MLB and they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler with every single order when you go to, again, that's birddogs.com slash locked on MLB. Love Bird Dogs. Go ahead and check them out. Uh, I'm sure they'll appreciate the business. They're the best. Uh, all right, let's get into it. Because the Philadelphia Phillies had a uh, an interesting game yesterday, a rough end to yesterday's game, but an interesting one. They took on the Atlanta Braves. Remember, game two was rained out. So this was supposed to be game three, but it became game two of the series. So two games between the Phillies and the Braves. They lost four to two uh, back on Tuesday. And they lost five to one yesterday, but they did go into extra innings. Uh, the first thing I want to jump into before we get to the bad of it, Aaron Nola was really, really good in yesterday's start. Now, there's no consistency with him, so I don't see that as like, oh, he's broken through, he's figured it out. No, there's a chance he goes out and gives up seven runs next time he starts. Whatever. Bottom line, though, he went six innings of two-hit, no-run ball against uh, the Atlanta Braves. He walked two, had five strikeouts. Had to work out a little bit of danger a couple times, but six innings of two-hit ball is awesome. And the bullpen was uh, largely good. Uh, Gregory Soto, no runs given up. Jose Alvarado, no runs given up. Given up. Craig Kimbrell, no runs given up. Uh, those are in uh, innings worth of work each. So, yeah, you go nine innings, and the score of that game was still 0-0. The first run was not scored until the top of the 10th inning. Uh, there just wasn't a lot of offense. Uh, Bryce Elder was good for the Atlanta Braves. Aaron Nola was good for the Philadelphia Phillies. Now, there's a couple things that we need to discuss. First of all, before I go into this, this is similar to the whole Rob Thompson bullpen discussion of game one of this, because I ripped Rob Thompson on his decision to go Jeff Hoffman in a tie ball game in the seventh inning of the first game against the Braves. Uh, absolutely ripped him because I said, what are you doing putting in that guy? He's not one of your top relievers. Uh, you're basically hanging your team out to dry after a strong start by Ranger Suarez. And people all wanted to comment, well, what about the offense? What about the offense? This, that, and the other thing. Yeah, I'm not here to say the offense is good. Not at all. That, that's not what I'm saying. The offense was bad, and they went through a bit of a slump. Now, the two guys they faced in Strider and Elder, they might not sound – Strider is. Strider's got the uh, – he has the acclaim 
And he, his name carries that weight around baseball, even though he's only in his second year in Major League Baseball. But Elder doesn't really, but they're both really quality pitchers. And the Braves are a good organization. They play defense well. I mean, their outfield defense is ridiculous. Um, their infield defense is pretty darn good, too. They're just a really good team. So I'm not trying to make excuses. Should the Phillies score more than what they scored against the Atlanta Braves in this series, which, again, was three total runs? Absolutely, they should. Okay? And, I mean, prior to the bottom of the ninth inning, the Phillies scored one run in this whole series. They had one in the bottom of the ninth on Tuesday with Cody Clemens getting an RBI, and then they had one in the bottom of the tenth yesterday. So, yeah, the offense needs to be better. Uh, That's clear and evident. Sometimes you go through slumps, though. Sometimes the team just doesn't hit. And that's annoying, but it's not something that I look at where I'm like, okay, uh, you need to do something to change this. You can just keep trotting those guys out, and eventually they're going to hit. It's part of baseball. That's just kind of how it works. And, yes, the offense wasn't good, uh, but when I look at the game, I, I look at the I look at the top of the 10th, and I just say Kyle Schwarber was a huge reason why the Philadelphia Phillies did not win or at least extend this game. So you had two outs. In the uh, top of the 10th, you had the runner on second rule, of course, because it's extra innings. So Junior Marte was pitching, and the Braves had already scored that runner from second. Then they had runners on uh, first and – sorry, second and third, I believe it was. Anyway, there was two outs and two runners on. And you get an opportunity if you do extend the game. So, well, extend the game. If you do get the out right there, what happens is you start your inning with JT Romito on second base down by one. And it's a one-nothing game. The runner on second, it's so easy to score the runner on second. Like anyone who was like, oh, the Phillies were already down one-nothing at that point, I think you're insane. Like it that runner on second scores probably half the time, maybe more than that. Uh I, I don't know. It's such a great opportunity as the home team to have that runner on second rule. And if you're within one run, you should be able to extend the inning. It's basically like if you get one hit. If you get two sacrifice flies, if there's a pass ball and a ground out, there's a billion ways to score the guy from second that don't even require you to get a hit. And yet people were like trying to say the game was over when it was one nothing, No chance. But that inning didn't end one nothing because a looping fly ball got hit the left field to Kyle Schwarber, and he came in on it and it hit him in the glove and he just dropped it. Uh, I mean, plain flat out just flubbed the play. That ended up costing the Philadelphia Phillies dearly two run score on the play. It's three nothing instead of one nothing. Uh, game was basically over at that point. Uh, a home run was given up after that. Marcelo Zuna went yard and hit a two run home run to make it five nothing. And the wheels came off the wagon for Junior Marte, but it's not his fault. He got out at the inning. He had a ball hit right at his left fielder that Kyle Schwarber couldn't come up with. And there was a play earlier on in the game that Brandon Marsh dropped that could have cost the Philadelphia Phillies. Luckily, um, they worked out of it, but. Brandon Marsh had to go all the way to the left side. So from the home plate perspective, he was on the left side of Kyle Schwarber. He was closer to the left field line than Kyle Schwarber was to it, trying to make this play because Schwarber can't get the balls in the gap and Marsh feels the need need to run him down. And it was not going to be that crazy of a play for a left fielder to have made, and Kyle Schwarber just can't get there. He's terrible defensively out there. And I'm not saying send him down. I'm not saying cut him. I'm not saying trade him. I'm not saying Kyle Schwarber can't play for the Philadelphia Phillies. But I am saying he can't play left field for the Philadelphia Phillies right now. Defensively, he's just so darn bad. I get he can hit the ball out of the ballpark, but he's the worst defensive player in baseball. You can't keep trotting him out there every day. Like, he's costing you games. It was super evident uh, yesterday, but there have been games throughout the year where his defense is just 
putting you behind the eight ball, and it's annoying. Meanwhile, you have Christian Pache, who's a plus-plus defender, who's available now, back from injury, to go out there and play left field. I'd play Pache in left field. It's honestly what I do. I think when the offense is going well, you have enough production with the rest of the offense to go ahead and sit Schwarber down for a game or two there uh, and give a chance to have better defense. I also think, potentially, because of Bryce Harper's recent issues with power, maybe there's a day where you give Bryce a day off and you let him maybe get some strength back by resting and you put Kyle Schwarber at DH. I know it's not fun to sit Bryce Harper, but I think we get caught up in the whole Oh, Bryce Harper's this amazing player, which he is, but he's the face of this team. We love him. He, he panders to the Philly fan base. He did all that stuff in the postseason last year. He came back from injury so quick. He's awesome. Play him every day. When, I, I don't know, maybe Kyle Schwarber at DH and Christian Pache in left is the better thing for this team right now. Uh, there's other options, though. It's not just you have to play Kyle Schwarber in left. If he's fine in left, the best version of your team includes Kyle Schwarber in the lineup, obviously. But his defense is costing you, and I would honestly play Pache out in left field. Now the lineup's out today. Spoiler alert for you. Kyle Schwarber's in left again. I, I wouldn't do it, but I understand why Rob Thompson feels he has to because of what Kyle Schwarber brings with the bat. But, man, the way he's playing defense is just absolutely brutal this year. And over the past two seasons, he's by far the worst defensive player in all of baseball. And you just you can't win with guys playing like that. And there's part of the player that you look at and say, he's a guy batting below the Mendoza line that is the worst fielder in baseball. Why is he on this team? Part of you says that. And then you see him lead the league in home runs last year, and you know what he is to this team and how he gets on base and stuff like that. And you say, okay, that that makes sense. But he's a very unique case. And because of his lack of fielding this year, last year he felt serviceable or slightly below serviceable this year. He's almost unplayable out there at left, and it's getting close to that point. So those are my thoughts on the Kyle Schwarber thing. Uh, the Braves end up up five. Uh, the Phillies scratch across the runner on second in the bottom of the tenth, and that's all they got. Game ends there. Uh, five to one. Braves take two against the Philadelphia Phillies, and the fan base loses their mind. Coming up, we're going to talk a little bit about some positivity. We're going to discuss this. I talked a little bit about it in uh, the episode earlier this week following the uh, loss of the Braves in game one. We're going to talk a little bit more about it here uh, because I think some people in the fan base are freaking out ahead of this series with the Mets. Uh, I'm going to try and calm you down a little bit. You don't have to listen to me. You might not agree with my point, but I'm going to try because that's what I'm here to do. All right. We'll get into that as we continue Locked On Phillies. All right. I want to tell you about my friends over at FanDuel. Baseball season is in full swing. Get it? Full swing. And there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel. America's number one sports book because right now new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, just go to fandle.com slash locked on to join today. It's absolutely awesome. I mean, you've got great opportunities to make good money. I was looking at some NBA draft props last night because the NBA draft was last night. I was going to bet like uh, pool my money with a bunch of my buddies and bet like a million dollars on Victor Wembanyama to go one overall. And I would have made like, 120 bucks on it because he was the high favorite to go one overall but still money to be money to be made you could do something crazy like that or you could bet one dollar on like a 10 leg parlay and try and make a million dollars that way a bunch of stuff that you could do over on FanDuel so don't miss your chance to snag a no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars when you join FanDuel today just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up FanDuel 
official partner of Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. All right, let's jump into a little bit of positivity because I, I get it. Losing to the Braves, not fun. The way the Phillies have played the past couple games, not fun. Where the Phillies are in the standings, at least in the division, not fun. And even with the wild card, not a good time. The Philadelphia Phillies wake up today 10 games back of the Atlanta Braves in the NL East. That's just, I, I mean, it is it is what it is. It's not good. You're down a lot. The division, probably dead. You're probably not going to catch the Atlanta Braves. I mean, you're four games behind the Miami Marlins right now. And not a knock to the Marlins, but I'm just saying catching the Marlins wouldn't do anything for you as far as the race for the division. So I'm not even thinking about the division anymore. It's kind of dead in the water already. And when you look at the, uh, the wild card standings for the Philadelphia Phillies, they are currently three games back of the final wild card spot, which is uh, employed by the Los Angeles Dodgers right now. It's going to be a tough team to track down. You're also tracking down Milwaukee, who's tied with you, Chicago, who's two behind you, uh, San Francisco, who's three and a half ahead of you, Miami, who, like I said, is four ahead of you. Some of those teams are gettable, but uh, I'm definitely looking more at the wild card than I am at anything going on in the division. Ten games is super hard to make up. But here's where the positivity comes in. So the Phillies are 38 and 36, 514 winning percentage. They took like two months to get over 500. Like it was impossible for the Phillies. Every time they got close, they kept going under 500. So that was annoying. The fact that they're over 500 is good. And here's the way I'm going to look at it. They have 88 games remaining in the season, 88 games left uh, until playing their 162nd game. And then it's postseason. The Think about the NBA and the NHL. They play 82 games each. Think about how long those seasons feel, how long a Sixers season feels, how long a Flyers season feels. They play 82. The Phillies have six more games than they play. I'm not comparing baseball to basketball or hockey, the way they play the game or anything like that. And I'm also not trying to say that a new season is starting today because as it was pointed out to me adamantly on the air this morning on 97.5 The Fanatic when I made this argument, uh, you already have the data that tells you that this team has deficiencies, this team being the Philadelphia Phillies. I get that. My job here right now with the positivity, my point of this analogy, I'm not trying to make it seem like the Philadelphia Phillies are a perfect baseball team and they're 100% going to be great and fine and all this stuff. I do think they're still fine, but mainly my point is think about if you're a basketball fan or if you're a hockey fan, if you're a Sixers or Flyers fan. Let's say the season starts and you're – three games behind in preseason. So like preseason for whatever reason, uh, the commissioners of those leagues, uh, Gary Bettman and uh, Adam Silver come out and say, the Flyers and the Sixers are starting three games behind the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Boston Celtics. You wouldn't say, okay, the season's over. Like you just wouldn't. There's so much time over the course of an entire season to make up three games. Well, you have 88 games left in the baseball season. You have more than the time that they have. If it was football and you're down three games, that's different because there's 17 games left. Here, three games remaining in June, July, August, September, three full months, and probably a couple games at the start of October. I got to look at the schedule before the postseason starts. There's so much time. Anyone who's like losing their mind saying that the Phillies have these fatal flaws and uh, the season's in trouble and this, you're way too early to hit the panic button. They just went. Seven and three in the last 10 games. They're on a good stretch right now. Losing to the Braves sucks. Seeing the division slip away sucks. I know this year we thought, hey, maybe this team is a compete for the division type team. 
clearly they're not on the same level as the Atlanta Braves right now. Last year, they weren't remotely on the level of the Atlanta Braves, and they smoked them in the postseason. So I'm not worried about that in come postseason, come October. Like, if the Phillies get in, they're going to be a tough out. I still think they're a playoff team. If so facto, I'm feeling good. And they've got work still to do. They have some stuff to figure out. But the starting pitching has been much better. The bullpen has been very good for the majority of the season. The offense, they're too talented not to be good. They're too, like I look at the lineup and I see Turner and Schwarber and Harper and uh, Romuto and Castellanos and Bohm and Stott and Marsh. And I see all these guys. I, I might have missed someone in there. For, doesn't matter. Uh, but I see all these guys and I say, that's a playoff roster. That's a super talented roster. They're going to figure it out. Trey Turner's going to hit better. Uh, Kyle Schwarber hopefully is going to hit better for average, but he's going to hit home runs. Bryce Harper's power is going to come back. Like Stott, Marsh, Bohm going to contribute. Like it's crazy to think that people are treating a couple games against the Braves like they ended the season. Deep breath. There's still plenty to be positive about when it comes to the Philadelphia Phillies and what they have going on right now. I'm not ignoring the deficiencies. I'm just saying with 88 games left, you can't make sweeping generalities about this team. 88 games is a long, long way to go, folks. Remember, three more months, basically. You got July, August, and September, maybe more than three months. Think about three months ago, okay? It's the end of June, uh, May, June. April, May, June. Okay, so let's just call it June is a month done. Three months ago was the start of April. That was the start of the season. Like, we're basically halfway, all right? You've got plenty, plenty of time in the season for the Philadelphia Phillies to make up games on the Braves. I don't think they will because the Braves are super good. But the Braves, definitely the wild card. Like, they're going to be well over 500 by the end of the season. Uh, this team is just too talented not to be. I still hold to that, and that's my positivity. And, yeah, there are struggles. The defense hasn't been great at times, especially Kyle Schwarber. The offense uh, slumps. The starting pitching to start the year was one of the worst rotations in baseball. A lot of stuff contributes to that. But I still feel good about the Philadelphia Phillies overall. And that's a little bit of positivity uh, for all of you as we uh, get ready for a matchup with the Mets. Now, the Phillies take on the Mets tonight, or they're supposed to. Uh, with this rain, I'd be surprised if they get the game in. We'll see. But the game is at 7.05 p.m. Uh, on Apple TV. So if you don't have Apple TV, as you hear the loud thunder uh, that just cracked in the background as I'm recording this, if you don't have Apple TV, you're going to want to go to the SiriusXM app, search Phillies, and you can listen to every pitch of the Phillies hometown radio broadcast. Again, just go to the SXM app and search Phillies 7.05 p.m. scheduled first pitch. Uh, we're going to go ahead and talk about that in the upcoming series with the Mets as we wrap up today's episode of Locked on Phillies. All right, let's get into the series with the Mets. Again, first game tonight, 7.05 p.m. It's on Apple TV on the TV side, and I know that uh, annoys a lot of people. So go to the SiriusXM app, search SXM, or sorry, search Phillies on the SXM app, and you can pull up uh, the Phillies hometown radio broadcast and listen to every single pitch that way. Uh, it's a great way to do it if you don't want to deal with the Apple TV game tonight. So perfect time to check out our friends and partners over at Sirius. Tonight, Taiwan Walker takes on our old friend, Kodai Senga, and that ghost forkball. That's the uh, scheduled pitching matchup. Philly has a 54.2% chance to win tonight, according to ESPN Analytics. Uh, gives the Mets a 45.8% chance to win tonight, of course. 
Senga was nasty against the Philadelphia Phillies last time these teams faced off, but Walker's really improved. And Senga's dropped off a little bit. He's six and four with a three five three ERA, while Taiwan Walker's seven and three with a four three one ERA. That seven and three record actually looks pretty darn good for Taiwan Walker. A one three three whip for Senga, a one two eight whip for Walker. Seventy one innings pitched for Senga, seventy seven for Walker. I mean, rather comparable numbers. Uh, Senga obviously has significantly more strikeouts. He's got eighty seven and seventy one innings because of that ghost fork ball. So you're going to have to try and put the ball in play, and it'll be tough. Uh, to go ahead and do that. But he's given up nine home runs. Uh, Walker's given up 10. So if you can eliminate that ghost fork ball and just attack fastball and regular off speed, you can hit Senga around a little bit. So that's something to keep an eye on for the Philadelphia Phillies. The lineup is out. Here's the Philadelphia Phillies lineup against the Mets in game one. Schwarber in left, Turner shortstop, Castellanos in right field, Harper DHing. Ramudo catching, Stott playing second, bone playing first. Marsh playing center, Edmundo Sosa over there at third. So a little bit of a flip-flop, Sosa and Bohm, because you're going ahead and uh, you're seeing Cody Senga, who I guess they feel is a little bit tougher on lefties. They didn't want Clemens in there, or maybe they just want to get Edmundo Sosa some work. Um, career, these guys are all over against him. Not good. So they'll have to do better than the one time they've seen him before. But, yeah, that's your lineup for the Phillies. The Mets, meanwhile, are trying, trotting out a lineup of Brandon Nimmo, uh, Starling Marte, Francisco Lindor, Pete Alonso, Daniel Vogelbach, uh, Tommy Pham, Jeff McNeil, uh, Alvarez, and Brett Beatty are going to be the guys in the lineup for uh, the Mets. They have nobody hitting over 300. They only have one guy hitting over 270, and that's Brandon Nimmo leading off. The Mets are in a bad spot right now. If you think the Phillies are freaking out, the Mets are currently 34 and 46 games below 500. With that type of payroll, they're falling apart over there. Um, those guys' careers against Tywin Walker, not good either. Uh, Nimmo's batting 250 and four at bats. Uh, Marte's over. Landor's one for seven. Uh, Alonzo's over. Vogelbach's over. Fam's one for nine. The McNeil's one for two, so shows 500, but small sample size. Alvarez over two. Beatty over two. Like they haven't seen a lot of Taiwan Walker because he was with the Mets last year, but what they have seen, they haven't really been able to hit him around all that much. Uh, a very good opportunity for the Philadelphia Phillies to win a baseball game, and right now they're they're the better team than the Mets. Plus, the Phillies are a better team at home than they are on the road. If they get the game in tonight, which is going to be tough with the weather, uh, they have a really good opportunity to win, and the offense really needs to break through. And it's a tough pitcher, but if you can get that type of momentum build against Senga, uh, well, you see Carrasco tomorrow. You see uh, Scherzer on Saturday, so there's no. It's not getting easier. Or sorry, Scherzer on Sunday. I forgot it was Friday. It's not getting any easier pitching wise the rest of the series. So, offense has got to wake up. That's a big key to tonight's game in that series. Again, first pitch 7:05 p.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time. You can listen to every pitch of the Phillies hometown radio broadcast on the Sirius XM app. Just go to the SXM app and search Phillies. So there you have it. That's all for today's episode. Thank you so much for checking us out. You're on Locked On Phillies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Make sure, again, you're rating, reviewing, subscribing on the YouTube, doing all that good stuff. I really do appreciate it. And I will talk to you next time on the next episode of Locked On Phillies.